Hey everybody, welcome to the Vox Podcast. My name is Tim Stafford. I am uh, the producer here and part-time verbalizer, although I try not to do that too often. <laughs> I am joined by the always wise, the always discerning Miss Bonnie Lewis. I thought you were going to introduce our other guests with that intro, but hello everybody. There'd be other adjectives. Oh, yeah, the, the, the other adjectives. The professor is in the house. We are joined today by the always enlightening, the mind-blowing, Mr. Tim Gombis. That's right. Yay, Tim. We're so hey. glad you're here. Glad to hang out. So we <laughs> thought we'd start with a little bit of uh, get to know you. Since since uh, it's weird for me to keep calling you Tim, even though that's your name, but it makes me feel like weirdly rhetorical, like I'm just talking to myself here. <laughs> yeah. And seeing as I'm sitting in a room Echo by myself, chamber. it kind of feels that way too, so... Uh, but, um, you've been on a few times now. You're a popular guest with the audience. Um, we always really enjoy the conversations. Um, and so I thought we'd do a little, a little, I just started my semester last week of teaching and the first day of class, we usually do a little get to know you. Um, I like to tell my students, like every single classroom is a really unique, um, like amalgam of people and it never existed before. It won't exist again. This group of personalities and people so we try to create a little community and family and we also push that a lot on vox and so we do a little game at the first day of class where we just say like hey get up tell everybody your name where you're from and then this time we did what was your favorite movie of last year and a weird or strange and unusual fact about yourself that people don't know so Mm. what uh where tim where are you from I'm, i'm from chicago that's where I'm originally from, and I'm now living in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And are you, your... are you there this second? I'm in Grand Rapids. Oh, my gosh. I'm in okay, Grand Rapids Township. Ooh, We're always broadening our uh, boundaries of recording. With I know. Is it freezing there, Tim? <laughs> it's actually uh, it's not bad. It's uh, Let me see. I think it's maybe high 20s. Not oh, bad. Yeah, that's cold. Tim. Yeah. <laughs> For right now, this is not Dead. bad. <laughs> Tim, I'm going to tell you that yesterday it fell below 60 here, and I thought I was going to freeze. (laughs) Yeah, last year, um, around this time, we had about six weeks or so in the single digits. And I mean, it was was brutal. Did you go to Hawaii? This is like, no. (laughs) No. My brain has no frame of reference on. And sometime in March, it went to Phoenix. Mm. But uh, no, this is unprecedented. Last year here in Grand Rapids, um we had two massive storms that knocked out power for like several days oh and gosh. we our seminary never we don't we never shut down we shut down for a week Whoa. the town was shut down it was like That's it was nuts that yeah it nuts. was like uh yeah we had Bot. a huge pile of wood so we did a lot of fires in our fireplace and um other than that it was just kind of survive Mm. Yeah. So this Gosh. year in the high twenties, this is balmy. So you are like, <laughs> is it I think summer? my neighbor's laying out. Let me just. <laughs> this is borderline tropical. <laughs> exactly. Oh dang. Um, what was your uh, What was your favorite movie of the 2019 year? All right. So uh, let me just mention two. Okay. I, I hope that's all right. Yeah. Uh, when my kids were home over the Christmas break, we just t- I we took a couple weeks off. We just hung out with our kids. It was so great. Uh, and we did a ton of, we did a lot of movie watching. Um, I loved, loved, and so saw it twice. I loved Jojo Rabbit. Oh, I haven't seen it. it. A oh, I didn't see that. And I love him. Brilliant film. 
it is so, it was fun. It was um, wacky and very weird, but um, utterly sweet. Uh, yeah, it's about a little boy who is, I mean, this is, this is nuts. It was about a little boy who um, grows up in Germany in World War II and is in like the Hitler youth. And he's 11 years old and all he wants to do is be a good Nazi. And so, and his, his uh, imaginary friend is actually Hitler. And um, that, uh, this is all revealed in the first, you know, half hour of the film. Turns out that his mother is hiding uh, a young Jewish girl in their house. And so he has this existential crisis of like, what's the, how do I figure this out? What do I do? Um, Especially since she's so interesting and cool. And like, you know, I think he's got a little bit of a crush on her. The story as it unfolds is just brilliant. What's Um, the, repeat the title? Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Yeah. Great awesome. film. Did you rent it? Uh, or did it you may not be out of the theaters. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen oh, his yeah. other films? Taika? Taika's other films? The no. Director? They're all no, wacky and weird and fun. Yeah, That's he's, cool. He's a great director. Yeah, I've been really interested in seeing that. What was your other one? The other one was um, a film called Parasite. I haven't seen that okay, yet either. And that's, everyone's that going bananas on it. Wondering if I should watch it. Is it good? I, okay, it's hard <laughs> to know. Like, what kind of sense of humor and sense of um, what's what's enjoyable, you know, transfers. Mm-hmm. I loved it, and I just love these outlandish kind of films. Um, it, uh, I had read up on it. I'd seen the preview, and I got into the theater. Uh, I saw it like in an arts theater and um, the person on the other side of the desk said, uh, it's nothing like you'd expect. And I was like, I, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, 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 I, I know what I'm getting into here. <laughs> I was, I was like, she's exactly right. It was absolutely nuts and awesome. takes turns. You would never imagine. Um, and was also, I have to say like beautifully shot. The whole yeah. thing takes place in um, a gorgeous modern uh, like ultra modern house in Korea. Yeah. And, um, the, the, the class, uh, differential, um, the way that classes relate to each other, yeah. you, know, you know, the wealthy and then the poor is a massive part of this film. And, um, it, it just was so fascinating. I don't know. That's it was nothing awesome. that I would have expected, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I might watch it again. The thing is a film with subtitles makes you, do a little bit of work yeah. you know you've got to focus you got to read and then also you know try to catch things it moves at a, an easy enough pace that you can do it because it's tough because if you can't catch some of that those nonverbal yeah. cues because you're reading that's hard that's yeah. the thing he's yeah. a good he's have you watched his other films too bong no Jun-ho, he's a really great director too Oh, it must be. This is a this is a masterpiece. It's, I mean, it's tr- that's trending too. Are, yeah, that one's yeah. trending. It won the SAG right for best picture, and which is usually yeah. a big, big indicator for the Oscars. Yeah, both these films uh, were up for a lot, and um, you know, rightly so. I mean, it was a it was a very good season for movies the last maybe three four months. Whereas I think for a couple of years, I don't even it was there's kind of nothing a, worth yeah. going to the movies for. Yeah, Bonnie, did you have favorites from this last year? Um, I don't get out much to see movies, but, um, you know, I still haven't made it through Captain America and I also know that's really old. So that'll, 
That'll give you some sort of barometer. Okay, but I did see, I don't even know if this might be a 2020 <laughs> film. So this already might disqualify me, but I did get out over Christmas break and saw Little Women. And it oh, was yeah. so good. Oh, it's beautiful oh my movie. gosh. I was yeah. just bawling. It was so good. And I was terrified to see it because I loved the book and I loved the old movie. So mm. I was nervous and it like which, like which surpassed. one are you like the nineties? Oh, I know a writer. Oh, I know Red. Excuse me. I know a writer. Yes. And um, yeah, so I loved that because I was like, when I saw it when I was growing up, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I loved it. Oh my gosh. I loved it. And when she, this is going to sound so silly, but for me personally, I really followed with her story about wanting to create something and write something. Mm. And so then at the end when she was there and she was watching them do the foil print, um, it was oh, it literally was yeah. like a week before Tim Shell. We just got it. So I was just bawling. I'm like, oh, my, oh gosh. my goodness. It was just so moving. I loved <laughs> yeah. that film. It was fascinating. Wow, that's cool. I love that one. Yeah. yeah, that was good. Uh, that's cool. I, I went and saw that with uh, Sarah um, maybe two weeks ago and just loved it. That's Gorgeous so movie. Good. Just so, I don't know, just the costumes, setting, mm -hmm. actors, dialogue, everything and was just I didn't spot realize on. Meryl Streep was in it, who is I love. So that was like a big yeah. fun surprise for me, too. It was hard oh, to no. see it because the, the director, Greta Gerwig, is from Sacramento, which is right by where we're from. Oh, and yeah. so her first movie, Lady Bird, that she directed. Yeah all takes place in Sacramento. It was a big deal for uh, our little area. Yeah. And then this, it was sold out everywhere here. Like we kept trying to go see it. Oh. And I kept not getting in, but I loved huh. it too. And it was, it was mm. like, you know, I cried during the movie. There was a little elderly couple in front of us and the <laughs> husband kept asking like, is this, is this past tense? Is this what's happening? <laughs> and she's like, no, this part's in the really, <laughs> they're just going back and forth. That's it awesome. was like a wonderful little narration throughout the, <laughs> what's happening so now? Cute. That's, That's wild. so cute. My is favorite movie of last year was uh, L Little Women was my second favorite of the year. The Lighthouse was my first. Oh, I didn't oh, see right. that. Most people didn't, and it uh, and it's it was very it's very dark. Oh, but I, I like okay. I I'm a big horror movie fan, and I and I love you know horror movies were for a long time the vehicle for social commentary and art. Yeah, yeah. They kind of lost it in the shock years, like the '90s and the 2000s, but for a long time that's what it was and now you got people like jordan peele and a couple other yeah. people that have been doing more social commentary again using horror as the vehicle for that and so the lighthouse does a lot of like shame and ptsd and it's black and white and these two guys trapped in a lighthouse together going crazy and it's just wonderful and willem dafoe is <laughs> oh my gosh, so i don't know that it. i'm gonna see that yeah. you probably shouldn't you but it was great <laughs> That is awesome. Well, what's what's something you know, real quick? What's something weird or strange that you guys that some most people probably don't know about you, or maybe they do, but it's just a oh. weird, strange or unusual okay. fact. This is going to be so weird, and I hope it doesn't gross you, anybody out. That's the best I, way to preface something. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love, love, love mayonnaise. Really? <laughs> yes. And I will eat it by the spoonful. Okay, that's gross. Oh. <laughs> See, I told you my crusty out. And then sometimes I get this, yeah, we have food troubling. allergies, so I get this primal mayo. And then sometimes I feel weird that I'm eating mayonnaise by the spoon. So I'll grab something like a chip or like a turkey slice just to feel better about it. <laughs> <sighs> Wow. <laughs> I just to dip something. You guys, if you could huh. see the look on Gombus's face right now, 
it is that <laughs> our relationship has changed. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I very much enjoy mayo. Uh, uh, there's nothing that I would eat by the spoonful. No, I do love you, it. Do you try different ones? Uh, I had seen in the store, so I think avocado mayo. Yes. Uh, so this brand called Sir Kensington has like a whole That's line of different flavors. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. all of them. I love all those. And sometimes my husband will laugh at me because he'll see me get out the mayo jar and he won't say anything. And then he'll see me go back and get like chips or something. And he'll be like, is that your vehicle for your mayonnaise obsession? And I'll be like, yes. <laughs> wow. So you don't eat chips. You eat vehicles. I have vehicles. Everything is a, it's a conveyor. <laughs> it mayonnaise. conveys the mayo. I know. And I then totally I'll get, get feedback. Like Follow we do like, we do like um, a dinner feedback where I'm like, does anyone, anyone have feedback on this dinner? Because like, I want to uh -oh. make things people like. And every time I use mayo, the feedback is always, it's a little too much mayo. And I'm uh -huh. like, no. I and was you're like, thinking, that's the feature of the dinner. <laughs> the dinner is it's mayo. It's mayonnaise. That holds it together. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Now I'm sweating. So someone else say a weird fact. <laughs> um, I've not done this for maybe a year or two, but there was about 10 uh, yeah, about 10 years there where, um, I did not ever listen to music in the car. I only listened to sports radio and I had, uh, and I would always, always call in, oh, really? uh, like oh, any, any programs. Yeah. Any programs that, um, had any kind of call in, I would just, I would get in the car, I would turn on the radio and I would have my phone in my hand. And I, you know, had the numbers in my phone and I would, they'd be talking about something. I knew something vaguely, you know, I knew something about that topic and I would just call. That and, is so great. And I, uh, yeah, I've probably been on, um, maybe 40 or 50 times. Shut oh, up. Oh, totally. You are yeah. like mini National shows. famous. <laughs> Do they know you now? The are you like, yo, you guys, you this is Gombas. Yeah. And what I want to say is. It's just Tim. And, it, and, it, and the shows I would call in, they would never say like, uh, from where. And I, so it's just like. So, I mean, and Tim's a generic enough name that it could yeah. be anybody. It's like, how, how does anybody Hold know? On a but the thing is though, I would have some friends. <laughs> Well, it's a, uh, yeah. It's well, a see, you're both named that Tim. That seems like a very, like a very, like a very specific character trait of somebody in a movie. Like this guy that gets yes. in the car, yeah. has the phone, <laughs> and, ready to and go. And like you're a theology <laughs> professor and you're like, no, I'm calling in on the yeah. sports radio. I love yeah. that about you. So, okay. So this is kind of funny. So I'll have uh, people that I'll talk to or students. They'll be like, well, like, who do you listen to? Like, do you listen to sermons or podcasts? I'm like, no, I, what are you talking about? No. I, I listened, I was telling Tim earlier, I'd listened to this, you know, I listened to one sports podcast. Uh, if we get to this at some point, Bonnie, we can talk about it. I listened to like one or two Enneagram things. Oh yeah. That's yes. it. That's like, that's no, it. no, I listen to sports stuff or like music. I don't, who wants to listen to a sermon? I don't know. Yeah. But I listen to sports <laughs> and I call because I, I feel like I, I know about this. I've got, a, I've got a take and I want to, you're going to hear it. There's, I wish we could so do good. this as a as a call-in. <gasps> that Maybe would be that's the new It'd be era. so hard to we organize, it but it'd be, it'd be pretty fun. Tim, that yeah. sounds like that falls under the producer role. <laughs> it so. does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy to know this about you, about the sports. Yeah. I like it. That is good. Okay, Stafford, so you're up. I like this. I, uh, I, oh, the train's going by. Can you guys hear that? We have a train yes. that goes right through our yard. Oh my! Oh, that's awesome. So, 
You're welcome, box the listener. Unsettling at night. Little piece of Americana. Um, I <clears throat> never learned to swim. Wow. Really? Yeah. When I was a kid, and they did swim lessons, they it was like they would paint uh, um, uh, uh, bricks gold and throw them in the pool, and then you'd like kind of jump in there and hold your breath and get them out, like when you're little. Oh wow. And then at the end of the class, you jump off the diving board or something and kind of. And then I just never quite learned. And then all of a sudden I was as old as the swim instructors and it felt awkward. And then (laughs) I just didn't think about it for like 10 or 15 years until I became a youth pastor. And then I was like, oh, I should be able to, this is trouble, this is troubling. (laughs) And then like my wife is even a swim instructor and she's like, I'll teach you. I was like, yeah, that seems, I don't know. So I just never learned. You've never learned? still not know? I still don't know. I mean, I can get myself from, you know, point A to point B. I'll, I'll be more tired than you will when you get if we both arrive there. <laughs> I'll be putting more work so you, and effort in. You don't really swim; you just survive. Yeah, I can kind of breaststroke it a little bit. Um, wow! But and now, you know, now my wife's like, now that we have two kids, it's like you need to. This this needs yeah. to change. I'm like, yeah, I know. So you do you just never go underwater? I do. I just can't like. It's, I, de- it I definitely can't like freestyle. You know how to swim? I can get myself <laughs> short distances. Like if someone's like, so you hey, can't advance. Yeah, we're yeah. on a small lake. You can be in water, but you side. just can't make progress toward a goal. As long as it's like 20 yards or so, I can yeah. do that-ish. Yeah. Uh, but if I was okay. like in trouble somewhere or like trying to tread water, I yeah. kind of I, I tell people I swim like a rock. <laughs> yeah, some people, what's it called? Some people don't have uh, buoyancy. Yeah, I don't do know. Do you not have it? I don't, I, I, it doesn't seem like I do. That's not part of your spiritual gift set. <laughs> no, my spiritual gift. Well, so were then, very how do you feel limited. about going into the into oceans? Uh, you know, I have a very big, and this has been like pieces of many sermons that I've given over the years, like a very distinct fear of water, and I think mm. it's because maybe of a lot of stuff. But I like, I love the ocean. I think it's one of the most beautiful things in the world. I think it's just right. it blows totally. my mind. I love it, but. When you're like, I remember when I moved to Orange County and we and all my roommates would go uh, boogie boarding, and I'd be yeah. at like the foot of a wave. I was terrified because it's like oh, even man. if it's just, like a three, five, six foot wave, when you're laying on your stomach, it looks huge. Yeah, it's huge. But yeah. when it barrels over you, what freaks me out is that you can't call time out. Like the yeah. ocean doesn't care. No, it has you. Exist. So mm-hmm. it was like, it just keeps rolling. It's like this ancient God that just kind of tumbles yeah. you around it's and trashy. doesn't like, there's care that you, you exist. Yeah. And that freaks me out. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never been on a cruise, although I'm dying to, but I have oh, a reoccurring, I, I have reoccurring nightmares about, um, tidal waves, like as tall as oh, buildings yeah. coming in and we'll be like at a restaurant and I see the wall of water coming and I'm trying to gather yeah. my family together and move as fast as we can to outrun this wave. And I don't know. That's a recurring gym that I've had my whole life. Oh, man, that's wow. horrible. So that's a strange and unusual fact about me. I'm afraid of water. <laughs> do you go. have some kind of do you have some kind of trigger or some kind of mechanism when this dream occurs that you can just know this is just a dream? Tidal wave. Can't, nope. I'm in I just bed. try to I just I'm try to here. get to safety. I have like three reoccurring dreams I've had my whole life. One of them is the tidal wave. One of them. And that's become more specific since I've had a family. I've had yeah. a reoccurring dream about, and this is, this is funny. Now I feel like I'm in therapy. I've had a reoccurring <laughs> dream of um, swimming with whales, like being underwater oh. and these just huge okay. leviathans come swimming up and kind of interacting with them. It's very peaceful. 
So oh, that's, yeah. that's the opposite that's version of that. And then and then flying. I've had so many dreams, and I when I can fly in my dreams, it's very physical, and I understand it perfectly. And that's the only one I interact with where I'm like, okay, this is how this wow. works. Yeah. This is like remember like, this. Remember this. When remember I get this. back to the real world, yeah. keep this in mind. You're gonna blow everybody's <laughs> mind because this is pretty crazy. Like, I'm gonna pop in like, hey, I learned this birthday. in my dreams. Yeah, it's gonna fly. That. Forget that. Watch you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, you can make some money on that. Yeah. Yeah, Tim, take notes. That's interesting. I um, about a year or two ago, I read a book um called Why We Dream, and uh, it is it is a brilliant work. I just, I would recommend it to everybody. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Why we dream. Dreams okay, I'm going to so Yeah, she kind of goes into how when your brain is, when you're sleeping, your brain, um, some parts of your brain shut down, but the part of your brain that's trying to kind of make sense of things yeah. is still active. And it's just mashing together like anything and everything to try to, I don't like know, figure life out. Yeah, to try to make sense of stuff. And it that's why it's always picking up just nutty things like why random stuff yeah like you're in a cabinet youth camp and then all of a sudden you're boarding a plane and then like your teacher's asking you why do you didn't do your homework or something i don't know <sighs> you're gonna you, just kind of one of together. you are gonna have a dream tonight about eating mayo, <laughs> mayo? <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> you are <laughs> i'm gonna wake up with acid reflux <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i expect totally. a text okay that is so good gosh thank you for sharing that tim i did not know that about you oh yeah i've got lots of weird facts we'll, we'll save them we'll parse them out okay all right so that's a bunch of information about us that you guys are either interested in or you have or fast you've... forwarded <laughs> but uh we're excited oh, right now because we've got uh there's just a lot going on right now um i think we'd be remiss to not uh comment on the fact that i mean mike i'm sure would be really upset <laughs> if we didn't comment on the fact that pearl jam dropped a new single and an album announcement this week that's that's big news i didn't even camp. know they still were a band doing things. yes bonnie they're still relevant <laughs> they're still making great music i'll send you the link okay um also there's a huge impeachment hearing going on right now that you uh, are mm. either fascinated or annoyed by um and it's just not, I've been listening to nonstop talk radio on my way to and from school, mostly because I have a cassette player in my car and it doesn't play cassettes anymore. But so are you calling in? I'm stuck That's with the radio. That's the question. I'm not. They're mostly just playing the actual <laughs> trial on there. Oh, so you're okay. just following along with these lawyers saying opposite things of each other back and forth. Um, and then just, you know, over the last couple of months, so many people have written in asking about like, when are you going to comment on the Christianity Today article? When are you going to comment mm -hmm. on uh, just all the stuff that's been going on? So there's been so many things uh, happening that we haven't had a moment to comment on. So we're super excited to have Gombas here and uh, to talk through some of the stuff. If uh, on Facebook, I know you've been having a lot of fun. I've, I have been going through every comment section and mm -hmm. live time as they go. And I love the back and forth and I love the, the conversation, but you've been having a lot of political <clears throat> en engagement conversations with folks on Facebook. Um, and, uh, I know that you are doing, uh, the event that Bonnie and Mike did, um, and that you and Bonnie did together also called heated is happening again on February 7th. And, uh, and you're having a conversation with Paul Martin about some of these topics as well. And, and we'll, we'll give that information again at the end and we'll share it so that you guys can all come and meet Gombas in person and heated is a great event because they have this conversation and you're able to interact and ask questions and yeah in live time and, and put some flesh and bones on some of this stuff so 
You get to we be had the a conversation. live person calling in to Tim. That's right. And so that is good. That is awesome. an old like that would be cool. In the most That's analog possible. way possible by raising your hand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally. But last time uh, that you were here, we had it was such a rad conversation, and I have been rolling around with just the last part of it for all of that time, like since since you were here, and it was the uh, ending the conversation on the. <clears throat> the dynamics of sin and death and the kingdom dynamics. And it's come up with a bunch of people in conversation with me and it's kind of helped give a very nice framework to things that I was already trying to process, but didn't have a frame for yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I'm very visually minded. I think I even joked with Mike on that episode that when you said sin and death dynamics, like I was picturing Thanos from Avengers coming in through like his little portal and like, <laughs> and these things that are at play that are happening right. and how we can choose into those and, choose into those in a momentary thing. Um, so I thought we might start with like a recap of some of that stuff, if you wouldn't mind and kind of bring listeners back into that point and then we can push forward with there if that's cool. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I'm not, uh, jump in and let me just kind of review some thoughts. I don't, uh, try to get back into that frame of thought. If there's something that you want me to hit, just say it, interrupt me. But, um, in contrast to, much of how many of it, well, all of us in the Western world think from an individualistic perspective Mm -hmm. and the the dominant frame of thought for Western theology over the last 500 years, but way more than that. I mean, longer than that has been the individual. So, um, I have a problem that's sin. I need to get saved to have Jesus in my heart. Now I, when I think about a way of life or decisions or whatever, I think about my motivations and my actions and that's it. Um, how things look on a macro level and all that, um, are largely not considered unless we say something like, uh, these larger structural dynamics or social ills and evils, um, are just the the aggregate of a ton of individual decisions or whatever you get this kind of, um, this all comes to expression when a lot of evangelical Christians think about making change in culture, we might say something like we want to see change one heart at a time, oh, yeah. or you see, uh, if you're going to change hearts and minds, then you kind of work one by one by one. And then if you get a bunch of people with pure motivations, a bunch of people living right, then social change just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Paul's, Paul's thought coming out of the old Testament just doesn't work in that way. And the way that, um, all Jews would have looked, looked out on the world, um, they would have seen that their current moment, uh, at least before the, the cross, um, the world is under the enslaving grip of sin, of sin and death and the powers of evil. And um, all humanity is under sin, which Paul mentions in uh, Romans 3, 9, and then um, Romans 5, Romans 7, I'll get into this. Um all of creation was under the grip of sin and death. And Jesus came into that enslaved condition, uh, took on actually a body that had been hijacked by sin, uh, but himself never sinned. So he took on our kind of humanity, but lived a life of faithfulness to God as the kind of humans that we are. Um, and then when he died and was raised to life, uh, that whole sequence of his life of faithfulness, all of that shattered this present evil age and enslaving, um, um, 
entities called sin and death and the powers of evil uh, have been defeated, but this whole age is kind of the ongoing process of their going down to final defeat. And uh, their defeat is signaled by their enslaving grip having been shaken loose and God being able to, by his spirit, uh, establish communities or outposts of the kingdom of God in this, you know, ostensibly or visibly enslaved space. In a sense, this is still enslaved space, like Mm. just the world. And God is still able to make erupt um, these communities of new life where God's presence resides and where, according to the New Testament writers, um, gathered groups of people called churches, like, uh, you know, 20, 25, 30 people, um, by God's spirit are living lives, um, of, you know, what God intended humans to be doing from the creation that is looking after each other, serving one another, not living in terms of self-seeking or selfishness or selfish ambition or advancement or exploitation or oppression or doing damage to one another, but instead are living lives of self-giving love, um, uh, service and, uh, hospitality toward another meeting needs, um, lamenting with brokenness, celebrating triumphs and, um, looking out on the wider world, uh, with a posture together as a community of service to the wider world. Mm. And when they live that way, they manifest that God is King and that he's coming to establish his kingship fully in the future. Can you? And when they live that way, Sorry. they signal, well, I'll just say this, when they live that way, they signal that the coming destruction, the full destruction of sin and death and the powers of evil is on its way. What were you going to say, Bonnie? Gonna, can you define when you say they manifest that? What, what you mean by that? It's such like, oh. it can be such a buzzword. Can you just define that? Yeah. Oh, totally. Speaking, Speaking of. of. Yeah, I anyway. Uh, um, so... When, when these churches live in this kind of way, they, um, it, yeah, that's such a great question because Paul uses this repeated um, term in Romans 3. They make visible. Uh, like, like you can see it. Right. Like these people, there's, there's a group of people there in this town of 30 people that are um, uh, not living for the advancement of their own community fame. Right. None of them are self-seeking. Rather, they're looking for opportunities to serve the wider community for like for no reason other than to just give praise to Jesus and just to enjoy being the presence of God. And they want to do acts of service to people that, according to the cultural codes of the area, quote unquote, they don't matter. So people on the margins, people um, suffering infirmities, um, people who are other abled or people that are socially outcast. This community sees those people as the prime targets of God's love, and they, mm. they want to expend all their efforts at, at loving them. According to the rules of how sin and death have corrupted our current experience in this world, um, we should live in terms of, of advancement, accumulating social power, mm. accumulating um, symbols of our social status and of our growing and advancing social status. This is the kind of way that we all should be living and we call it normal. Um, and the church is designed specifically to counter all of that, to live, to live counter to that. Mm. And when they do, they make visible the reign of God. Mm. Just like when a completely abandoned 
uh, roaming teacher that nobody really kind of got when he was crucified the four gospel writers indicate that that was the moment where God most fully revealed himself. Mm, mm -hmm. And of course, everybody around missed it Mm, mm -hmm. because the way that God reveals himself is through um, some spectacular power grab or some spectacular display or going to Jerusalem and military, you know, accomplishing liberation of Israel through military power. So that's what I mean by making that manifest. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, It feels so incarnational. I mean, it feels like we're taking part in incarnational theology. We're taking the spirit of God and we're making it visible in a way. Yeah, absolutely. These communities are embodying Mm -hmm. God's triumph through acts of service, acts of love, um, uh, offering hospitality to people as a community, welcoming and building friendships with the wider community Mm -hmm. based on nothing other than wanting to uh, radiate dignity to all the people that surround us, all that kind of stuff. So um, Paul's thought really starts there and he thinks in terms of um, cosmic realms. So there, when Paul looks out in the world, there are cosmic spaces. There's, there's um, the realm of sin and death. And he sees that as this kind of field of power. It, it's, uh, he sees them really spatially. And then there is the space or these locations of Christ. And this is why he has all this talk about being in Christ. The communities that he writes to are in Christ. They are literally located in the cosmic space of Christ. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And in that space, there are all kinds of dynamics at work, dynamics of renewal and redemption and um, reconciliation. They're like by the spirit, because the spirit fills that space. Right. He is at work to like have all these elements being generated. Mm. And the key to being Christian is to gather as community and discern how we can behave in such ways that get in on what the spirit is doing among us. Um, and then alternatively to, to look out on the world and to notice that outside the church, um, the dynamics are at work of degradation, decay, alienation, um, oppression, exploitation, self-seeking loneliness, and to see to it that when we participate, paid in actions that are um, antithetical to God's the way that he lays out for us. We're not merely doing an action that's not connected to anything. Mm. We are acting in ways that are sort of stirring up the presence of the present evil age. Um, It's like all words, all actions, all relational dynamics have like these interconnected webs connected to them that other people are also connected to as well. And when we act, more is happening than just... I said something right. Like my words have an effect. They create anger in another person. Yeah. It, yes. it does something good or bad. Yes. Right. There's an energy at work. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's called um, sin and death. Right. And um, just like there's an energy at work in the space called in Christ, and it's the Holy spirit. When we speak words of grace, when we make, we confess sin to one another and then offer forgiveness. Like that's an explosion of like God's presence Mm. that like people's hearts and lives are knit together far more powerfully than you can imagine. Yeah. Um, When we forego opportunities for self-advancement and create space in our lives to serve other people, um, we're not sort of doing good out of our resources. We're actually tapping into God's own life 
far more effectively than we could. Mm. I mean, it just blows our mind how integrally we are wedding our lives to God's very own life by doing things like that. So human action, I think Paul conceives of as behaving uh, within two alternative spheres. Mm -hmm. Um, Am I living in community life, activating um, the presence of God through my speech patterns, my relational dynamics, my postures toward others, or am I acting in ways that stir up death and sin and flesh? And, and do I sort of, um, bind myself to cosmic enslavement mm-hmm. by my, uh, plotting for retaliation, right. my scheming uh, for self-advancement, um, my, you know, not caring about others and all that kind of stuff. So let me recap. Uh, We're here on this earth. <laughs> there are, <yeah>. um, <laughs> And correct me my language if it's wrong. Um, other spheres or fields at work. One is like, yeah. uh, I'm going to call it the cosmic Christ situation, right? But he's moving, working, yeah. the spirit's moving. One is like sin and death. And every time we do anything, um, you didn't say this. I don't know if thought goes in here. My wires are getting crossed with my reading I've been doing lately about the about quantum physics. <laughs> Anyways, oh. um, so what, what you're saying is um, every time we do something, do something, say something, offer forgiveness, um, scheme and plot in a certain way, we are either tapping into the cosmic Christ realm and bringing about life and renewal and new creation and forgiveness. And it's like exploding. We are making visible Christ or we are tapping into the realm of sin and death and we are bringing that about. So we have our action and then we have the thing around the action, which is like the energy that you said. And so everything we do is about what we do, but it's also about how it moves then in the world. Yeah. Right. What do we provoke or what do we activate? Mm, Fascinating. So yeah, totally. On that sense, then ever like every thought, every, um, Every time we cut someone off, every time any of those things, they have this like sort of ripple effect, uh, implication in a way. Is that sure? Yeah. I try, uh, so different personality types, as you know, Mm -hmm. will take this in different directions. And what, what worries me is that somebody will be so self-judgmental and analytical and parse their very thoughts and every little action and, and right. this and like, what am I stirring up? Yeah. 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 For me, it's more of like, um, my, my approach is this, uh, like day to day, um, how do, God says about me that I've been brought into liberated space in Christ by the spirit. Like that's where I live. Okay. This is how Paul constructs the identities of all the communities. So I think to myself, all right, I'm loved. I'm liberated. I'm in Christ. I have this, I live in this place of freedom. Um, what does it look like today for me to, to put on this new identity? I mean, Paul talks about this, take off the old right. humanity, uh, be renewed in your thinking, put on the new humanity. So like, I, I think of it as like this outfit I put on, not that I'm being hypocritical or playing a role, but what does it look like, um, to go through my day like this? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I have a colleague that is um, going through a tough time now for me to to go into the office and just think, well, I mean, that's their problem. It's not my problem. That's, that's thinking in terms of only my own priorities. How do I, how do I think differently? And how do I, w- w- what's a renewed response to that? How do I 
I stop by his office and just have a five minute chat. Mm -hmm. so, how you doing? What's going on? Um, when I, um, this is my situation right now. I've, I'm in a different stage of life where I've got a little bit of space cleared. Um, immediately my imagination goes into high gear to think of all the ways I can advance my career. Mm. Um, but what if I thought alternatively and thought, well, I've heard about some needs locally. Mm. I've got some space in my life. Um, as a new creation individual, what if I got slightly more involved in my church and this one effort that really nobody else wants to be doing. And I, I think I can put in some time there or um, there's a local need down the street. I can carve out uh, some time to give myself to that sort of thing. Right. right, right. Um, so I think, I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting at, but also it gets down to like, um, yeah, we need to have a tough conversation this right. afternoon. Um, what's, what's, uh, what would it look like for me to participate in that conversation that would activate dynamics of mm -hmm. destruction? What would mm -hmm. it look like to participate in that discussion in a ways that, that would activate life? Right. Um, right. Which would, which would involve truth speaking and naming what's happening. It would involve me being vulnerable and honest. Right. Instead of trying to corner somebody and saying like, well, you know, you did this. Um, I, I might or approach even just it like differently. Hurrying them along. Like, sure. Okay, yeah. I see it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, I, 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 this is why, and I'm not trying to get here, Bonnie, but this is why I thought that the Enneagram is so helpful. Let's get with there. The big focus that sounds on, good. Uh, well, actually this is, so this is where I slot this stuff in. Um, it's helped me be attuned to, you know, my false self and how I construct myself and others and my behaviors from my fears from my hopes that are not always redeemed and it helps me move toward my true self. So I, I really reckon with who I actually am. I'm able to read the other person in the best sense of who they are. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to kind of situate, you know, posture myself prepared for an encounter, um, and anticipate good things are going to happen. Right. Um, this is really approaching situations, um, from so much of Paul's instructions. I mean, this is just wrote first Corinthians 13 love hopes all things. Mm. So how do I anticipate an encounter with somebody thinking, um, this is going to go well, right. Instead of anticipating a difficult discussion and thinking, all right, they're going to just argue with me the whole time. How do I cut off all their arguments? Yes. I mean, that's a, that's how we approach conversations from a quote unquote worldly perspective that almost guarantees that things are going to go off the rails and just descend into angry accusation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, I, this well, is how I see it as far as like living from one realm or living from another realm. Mm -hmm. Um, I pay very close attention to where my imagination and my mind goes. And I, um, I tend to when I'm like thinking less of others or belittling others or, um, imagining ways that others have not served my needs or desires. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to imagine differently, like, all right, what if I operated from a liberated and loved perspective? Like I'm pursued by a passionately loving God and all the other people in my life today are gifts given to me from God who loves me. Yeah. And they have ways that they're going to bless me today. And, and they have so much goodness to give me. Right. So, you know, and, and I, as I approach each of them, I'm going to let them determine where things go because only good things away at me. Mm. So that's, yeah, 
I don't know. No, that's I think kind that's so good. No, approach. and I want to just let's like for a second, um, for people that don't know, because I didn't know for a long time, even when you and I were having discussions about the Enneagram. Um, so I just did an event and um, I ho- helped host at the, an event with an Enneagram coach. So it was me as like a spiritual director and she was an Enneagram coach. And we talked about the false self and the true self, exactly what you're saying. And one of the things, and I like learned this going into it as we were preparing content, but I don't think a lot of people know this about the Enneagram. But so when you have your number, right, you have your number, that is actually like the things about you that define your number is actually like your container, it's like it's your limitations, yeah. right? So yeah. so many times people just like meme stuff like I'm a four and so this is what I do um, and sort of take it on as like so every every way I approach a situation, I'm just going to act this way because that's who I am instead yeah. of reframing that and saying, no, these have been my coping mechanisms. Totally. These are how I got through life. That's my false self. What is my true self? Where's the door into this higher um this like almost like higher state of myself where I can bring about these other these other dynamics and what I find fascinating about that is so in my like Tim just is always laughing at me but in my <laughs> reading on quantum mechanics I've been reading this book <laughs> Gombas you might like it okay it's, it's called the power of possibility but it's I written, failed math high oh, school so did I but I can read this and it's called um power of possibility <laughs> and it's written by a psychotherapist but it's what you're, he uses like these ideas to help people see that when they enter a conversation or enter into any type of dialogue or even just like an opportunity in their life, we get stuck into thinking things are going to go one way. So when you say like, I'm super introspective, I'm, um, I take a minute, is like if we could all learn to pause like the nanosecond before we do things and say, wait a minute, I don't have to take this the way it always has gone. Um, I have a choice if I want to interact and bring about this reality and like um, see what God is doing and like, how can I bring about goodness? How can I manifest Christ? Or I can cut them off or or I can do this. Um, And so I love that outlook that you have there because it is true. There is a choice there, but we really get involved in like what they call in quantum mechanics, like the wave collapse of like, Mm. I just constantly think it's going to go this way. And so I find myself in these conversations and they always end up being awful or whatever it is. Um, And so I think that's fascinating. And like, it reminds me of this story I read and it was like about this scientist in the sixties and he took his team to the rainforest and he's like, Let's fog this tree and I want to fog the tree. And when we do, all the beetles will fall like to the bottom. This is he obviously is like way better terms than I'm using. <laughs> all the trees will or all the beetles will fall. We can count them. And then by this one tree, we can guess how many different species are in this little area of the rainforest. And so they did and they fogged it. And there was 1200 in that one tree. And it, yeah, it was insane. And I, someone said that to me and it was like reminding me of like, there's like infinite possibilities of how a situation or a conversation can go. We're so used to thinking though, based on like limited beliefs we have about ourselves or whatever it is, or history has told us, or like what the world tells us, like all these people act to this way or all these people act that way. And so we end up interacting believing that that's going to happen and so then of course we say things that provoke it or whatever else so i just i think that's fascinating especially when you tie it to what paul is saying because so much of this stuff 
and I'll stop talking here in a second, but so much of this stuff are like buzzwords and we just like hear it out there or we're like, how does this come together? Like, what does scripture say about this? So the fact that you're like, no, this is what Paul is saying. It like just blows my mind because it just reminds me how much God is like, can encompass all of it, right? There's nothing new under the sun. We might be talking about it in a different way, but it's this ancient truths. Yeah. First of all, I think we need to uh, maybe make it a mission statement to reincarnate, to give like some credence and weight back to buzzwords, <laughs> because a lot of them are just the best words for the things, and they've gotten redundant over time or whatever. Yeah. But you know, sometimes you just need to use the word "equip" and let it be. What and it let is. it be what it is. Um, so- man, there's so many different trails off of this. It's hard to think of what the best way. I want I want to talk a little bit about the political season because we're in the middle of it and well and it makes sense uh, how can it, we engage in yeah. a way that brings about so life. I wonder if we can because I am that person that uh, is built to get super anxious about thinking this down to a minute level. However, this has been a season for me that um, I have been able to do that without and push back on the anxiety mm. because. The, that ripple effect for me, it does it does start in the dark corner of my house when I'm by myself mm. and the way that I'm thinking about specific things because those thoughts, uh, they affect me physically and then they tend to aff- affect the people around me as sure. well. So it's like this is on a major level and like a super minor level for me because um, just, you know, being somebody who struggles with severe anxiety, the I like just those simple things of envy and jealousy and lust and those things all have little tendrils that kind of like move their way out into different areas and they do tend to so this idea of leaning into these kingdom dynamics i love the word dynamic because it's such an active physical word yeah totally so leaning into this idea like i said visually for me into these kingdom dynamics is for me super constructive on a minute by minute day-to-day level that's cool keeps me active on like on my decision making and then and then hopefully those ramifications go out like you're saying through the way I interact with people but I I, I wonder how we can because um, we do get so many questions about politics and it's so divisive mm-hmm. and uh, and Mike has made a big point of of you know with with the spiritually homeless as well as kind of trying to find this third way of thinking and whatnot and I it's it's just such a it's such a contentious, confusing time period of uh, you have to align yourself. So that, that's one of the big conversations, right, is that um, the church shouldn't be tied to any political party, right? It's or Jesus is not tied to any political party, uh, but the conservative party has in some ways co-opted um, the name of Christ, the evangelical movement, whatever. So on daily life implications like we've talked about a little bit here and choosing into those dynamics on the political level and our, and the way that we integrate and act and are um, politically active or socially active and that kind of stuff. Like how do you, how do you see a lot of this stuff uh, speaking into this current environment? Is that, that was a long winded question. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I think that's, <laughs> that's good. this is part of the challenge is like, what, what's even the question and how do you even get your hands around like what the issue is or what the thing is? Cause it's so confused. I totally get it. Um, yeah. So, so many thoughts about this. And I think that the most helpful thing for me, this has been helpful for me is to think about Christian identity. Like what are the basics of being Christian and then build out from there? Mm. 
And, um, I mean, I'll just portray for you how my thought goes along this line. Uh, for me to be Christian is to be baptized into the body of Christ and to be part of a local body of people. Uh, my local body is about 85 to 90 people. And, um, we are a political entity. Mm. Um, that is to say, uh, uh, and, and politics has everything to do with organized, um, organized behavior under rulership. Mm. So my, the body of people that I'm essential to, and that is essential to me, I'm inseparable, uh, because I'm baptized into Christ and therefore united to them. Each of we're, we're a body. Um, we are a political unit and we are a unit that's part of an international body of people under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So, uh, he's our King, he's our ruler, and we're a kingdom outpost in this place that a lot of people have agreed to call the United States of America. Um, so, uh, if I, and I'm, we undertake a load of political actions, uh, and political action, um, has everything to do with our behaviors to one another in obedience to our Lord and then our behaviors as a body toward all the people beyond the borders of our community. Mm. And that's politics. So we are engaged in doing the politics of Jesus, which has to do with reconciling with one another, loving one another, serving one another, finding out about needs, uh, inquiring about uh, elderly shut-ins, um, visiting and making sure that single mothers are looked after. Um, beyond the borders of our community, we're involved in a, an effort to um, get intact uh, family units into sustainable housing. There's a homeless crisis in our city right now with the building boom has brought about um, homelessness for people on the margins. And uh, people don't like to maybe think about this, but that's politics. Mm. Politics as we're so, as we've grown used to talking about it, is paying attention to what the newspapers are saying, or, I mean, that's sort of, you know, out of date now. Um, all of the madness online, on television, in newspapers, that's quote-unquote politics. Well, no, that's not. That's just a ton of noise. Mm. Um, politics is local and is me and my political unit and how we behave toward one another and as a unit toward the outside world. Um, and so I was thinking about this this morning. Um, uh, that should reconfigure how I think about this thing called news. Like what's news? It's, I mean, it's, it's just new information. Um, the news that I want to be very attentive to, um, is news about, uh, what's happening in vulnerable neighborhoods in my community. I want to know what's happening, um, with, uh, the ability of the charity that we work with to find uh, homes that are affordable for uh, low-income families. I mean, that's all stuff I want to know about. That's uh, when it's cold outside um, here in Michigan, uh, what happens with people who are, don't have shelter for the night? I mean, if, I, if I'm serving a Lord who said, I want you people to be on the lookout for this stuff, then to me, that's the information I want. Mm. Um, uh, I'm serving a Lord who one day will appear and he's going to ask, um, who are the, who, who was giving a cup of water to the thirsty, who was clothing the naked, who visited people in prison, uh, who fed the hungry and, um, and who welcomed foreigners and the people who did, I'm going to say, you did that to me 
enter life. The people who didn't or was or were just so distracted by other information coming at them that they never did those things, Jesus will say, depart from me, uh, I never knew you. Um, so that, to my mind, that's where we start as we think about politics. Um, it is it is the worst form of politics to me um, to be attentive to angry information that just assaults us day in and day out. And then I uh, just think about this. If I load myself up with all that kind of information for hours a day, what's the outlet? Like right. there is no other outlet than this. Every two years and every four years, I go down to the fire station and cast a vote. So, I mean, think about this. Think about the, the lunacy of spending all this time gathering information um, to prepare myself for what I'm going to do for about 37 minutes uh, the, first month, uh, the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November, because that's when elections are held. That's nuts. I mean, I want to be um, accumulating information so I can take direct political action um, in the town where I live. Um, so it, that's helped me to be, um, to, I think, take a different look at all the information that we're receiving uh, from news outlets about what's happening in Washington. And the way that I think about that is this from a variety of perspectives. First of all, um, everything is just kind of going as it should go. Um, you know, impeachment is just a constitutional process. Um, you know, people may have uh, opinions about that. Um, it's just going to happen as it happens. Um, in another sense, it's the same as it ever was. Uh, the history of the world has been filled with power games and, um, you know, quests to grab hold of the course of what we call nations or states. I mean, from, you know, ancient Greece and way before that into Rome and all the way to our current moment now. And I'm part of this stable reality um, that goes on into the future called the kingdom of God. And this place called the United States of America is going to pass off the scene at some point and is going to be historically irrelevant. So I don't want to get myself so worked up um, so that I'm attending so much to those things that um, I'm having a, a disrupted spirit or I'm angry um, or that I'm being pressed into a situation where I see uh, someone I might be conversing with who disagrees with me as an enemy or as someone that I'm going to speak to sarcastically or dismissively or yeah. angrily, because then I'm just, I'm, I have become a person ensnared by the dynamics of the present evil age. I want to be fully giving myself to the dynamics of being in Christ, those life-giving dynamics, uh, which means I don't know, attending to some of these things. I was a political science major, so I am interested in some of these things that are going on in Washington, D.C., but um, I want to also be kind of holding them loosely. And I think um, a, a further thing I think is really important for all Christians to be thinking about is um, to be taking a razor to your identity and constantly shaving it down. Mm. And what I mean is this. Um, have as few loyalties as possible. Um, our identity in Christ is, it's not fundamental. And then there's a lot of other stuff. It's, it's it mm. like, that's it. Um, if we think 
that America is more important than Canada or Mexico or Bolivia or you know, Luxembourg, that's problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, if we think that things are so important with regard to the course of our nation, that it's worth it to agitate against others that we might, you know, and then end up considering them as enemies. Um, that's not, um, that's not unfortunate. That's idolatrous. Mm. Like that's so deadly. Um, and I think it's important to have as thinned out and narrow of an identity as possible. Like I'm Christian, Mm. I'm Christian and I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I'm not conservative. I'm not liberal. Um, I mean, the only other thing that I'd consider myself as a Cubs fan, I honestly (laughs) don't, I don't want to be, um, I also don't want to be like an evangelical Mm, mm -hmm. because as soon as you say evangelical, then you're not this, you're not that. And then other parts of the body of Christ are now marginalized from you anyway, or like you're at least pitted against them. Um, But to my mind, I am a Christian. I'm part of the international body of Christ. That is the kingdom of God. And I'm part of this local body and my politics, our politics together are characterized by selflessness by participation in an economy of plenty. So we live with open hands. And um, I guess I also want to take uh, note that um, the course of American history is is set. I mean, there were a lot of decisions that were made um, 100 or, or years ago and then way back before then that set us on a certain course. And if there's a Republican, uh, if Republicans are in power, if Democrats are in power, things are not going to change in a sense that much. Right. Yeah. Um, and things will certainly not change a lot for me. My, mm. the amount that I pay in taxes may go up or down a little bit. But again, when I am being a Christian, I have to weigh that very lightly. I've got to hold that very loosely. And what I need to think about is um, for people on the margins in my city, what's life going to be like if this um, party is in power, if that party is in power, Um, people who uh, can't afford heat for the winter, um, people that are dependent on school lunches. I mean, I'm attending to people who are other abled and who need resources and whose, whose lives are profoundly um, affected by um, these elections. That's what I'm most concerned about. Right, right, right. When you're anyway, those are just some random thoughts. Those are, there's just, uh, there's just like a million uh, pathways off of this. I don't know. The, I, I think it's interesting because it sounds like it's a, it's what you're saying is kind of like a bottom up approach, whereas mm-hmm. we all kind of have a top down approach in this country, at least like, yeah, we have a couple big names that we're looking to try to get into office based on political affiliation. And a lot of times it's more about the political affiliation than it is about even the, the tenets of what either of those people That's right. really believe in. But if we're flipping that dynamic and, and I'm thinking about me, so if I'm thinking about me with what I said about wrestling with um, my thoughts at home by myself on that level and doing that in a kingdom dynamic focused way and then kind of building out from there as I go. And so obviously the core, one of the most core tenets of that is going to be the way in which I interact, seek out the marginalized. Right. And then that kind of builds out from there. And I think that's totally 
for me, that kind of is almost it. Cause I like, I get so tired of these arguments about like, um, whether or not we should let gay people get married and these different things that the church has just harped on for a while now, when it's like the clearest things that were set out by both when God spoke to people and when Jesus spoke to people was like, what are you doing for the widows, the orphans, the poor? Like those are so clear. This is the stuff that you need to be focused on and taking care of. There's no black or white on that. It's kind of like the marginalized are very important to the the Lord and Savior and the kingdom and the king of the of everything. So if that was our only north star within our our uh, decision making process and how much does that transform our local community, our home, our local community, our town, our state, our country, our world, building out in that way? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it seems to me that, um, uh, well, let's see, first of all, I would change, change up the conception just a little bit. Yeah. Because the way that we think about our, um, the way that you asked that, and I, this is very, very common. It's not just you, Tim. Um, we tend to think in terms of me, my family, my church yeah. and out. What's, what's interesting about how the, um, the gospels and Paul's thought works is um, it starts at the church level. The church is the lowest common denominator. It doesn't start at the individual and the church is um, the church is a home. I mean, it, it's, it's a family. And so every person in the church, that's their most fundamental identity. It's not that they have an identity as an individual. That's, that's right. very um, sort of post some, that's a very enlightenment. Like, I am somebody it's like, I am somebody in relation. I'm, I'm in, I'm part of this new body. And it seems to me that Jesus's political vision is that this new family, that is the church made up of made up oftentimes of homes that are put together, nuclear families that are knit together as Jesus's new family. Um, that's the body of people that does political action together. And then, outward toward their community. What I, what I find so liberating about that is that when I start thinking about political action in my town, it's not me. Like I, I, I cannot do a lot as just right. me. It's like when you feel so overwhelmed and hopeless and all that, that's how you should feel. Cause it's overwhelming, <laughs> but we've been trained to think as like uh, these individuals that cannot just, you know, shake up these, uh, you know, all that's going on in the world that's uh, rife with injustice. But what, what we as a church body need to think about is what is happening in Grand Rapids and how can we be involved? What are our resources? What are the resources we have in this building? We have a kitchen. We have mm. rooms that are sometimes not used. Can we possibly house families here for some time? Can we offer meals? Uh, can we have storage uh, for... Um, uh, uh, some sort of like a clothing pantry where you can charge, you know, 10 cents per item or whatever. I mean, there's so much that that's all political action. That's not nice or like fluffy. That's politics. And, um, I don't, it seems to me that the political vision laid out in the new Testament stops there, that it's not like, you know, how do we reach, you know, the halls of power or something like that beyond that. It's like, that's not, those are not relevant questions. I mean, uh, you know, I'd love for things nationally to be going the way I think they should, but like, who knows? All we know is that our body of people is faithful to the one that we will face one day. 
when we do these simple things that he said to do, like you said, Tim, right. not spending hours formulating a statement on sexuality and then putting it on the website and feeling like we've done something. Right. I mean, all of <clears throat> those kinds of moves flow from the historical impulse that many Americans have felt. Um, I mean, let me just say this very plainly. Many white male Americans who have power have felt that impulse for hundreds of years to sort things out and control mm. um, how people behave. And we want to, we want to rule on this stuff and we want to draw lines and say, you, you can't do this, but you can do this. Um, so much of the modern church mentality is based on the plantation system. It's, I mean, yeah, when you, cool. when you look back at, it's like, we want to control people's bodies. Mm-hmm. We want to control people's yeah. living quarters. Like this, we're not plantation right. owners. Right. <laughs> what's, what's our identity as Christians? I mean, we are right. servants, we're slaves, we're children, we're siblings. Uh, we're people in whom God is restoring image and we're knit together. We lament, we rejoice, and we gather together to offer hospitality to one another and to outsiders. And that's our political vision. And it, it makes as much sense as it made sense to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt when God said, yeah, we do need to pass judgment on that city. And I want you to march around it once a day for yeah. seven days yeah. and seven times. I mean, it's like, God has been hearing this from his people for a long time. That's nuts. Yeah. That won't work. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the American church is living that way. It's like the way of Jesus. Like, yeah, uh, uh, come on, be practical. Uh, right. You know, it's like the okay, way so- of Jesus is so utterly impractical if our end goal is to grab power and determine the course of history. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this, and maybe this is like, Bonnie, you didn't get it. Um, which is fine. Um, <laughs> if it starts, the common denominator is the church and we're doing what we can do in our neighborhood or whatever. Um, at what point, like I'm thinking in the back of my head is the Christianity Today article, right? Which came out, I don't know now, a month ago or something where they said like, they like took a hard stance and they said like Trump needs to be impeached. So if the way we do anything like we've been discussing is the way we do everything. If these little things that we do in our communities set forth a trajectory, um, I don't think what you're saying is don't take a stance on national level and don't vote. I mean, I think you're, you're still saying we have to do that or whatever, but is there a point where we draw a line in the sand and say, like I, th- that's troublesome for me, if that makes sense. It's, it's tough for me to go, I'm going to care about it on this small level, but, um, or on like a local level, I guess is a better phrase, a local level. Um, but nationally, I don't know. Like how, how is it that we can, uh, take part in both and is a publication like that, that's so aligned with a certain group, like as a church, are we allowed to go, this person should be out and this person should be in. I don't, am I making, is my question making yeah, sense? It is. It, those are, um, these are complex issues. I mean, these are great questions, but the issues are kind of complex. Um, um, the first part of what's difficult about Christianity today is just the very character of evangelicalism in America. And what I mean is um, going back to the tens and twenties, um, there were uh, denominational leaders that wanted to get together and form cross-denominational relationships to build this organization nationally to kind of, well, 
to get power and to kind of like, you know, rally right. the troops and um, all these other people that are like us get together and start talking. Um, that whole effort to me has always in, in, in light of the gospel, that whole effort I think needs to be examined as maybe a fleshly pursuit or an empty pursuit. Mm. Um, I mean, it is what it is. It's here now, but just, I think we should recognize, um, that all along over the last hundred years or so, the national organization, the national, uh, it's the NAE. What is that? The national, national association of evangelicals. evangelicals. It's always been this kind of anemic thing. That's never done anything or said anything plainly or meant anything because it's, it's this disparate collection of like a bunch of people that don't want to get along with anybody. So they just form non-denominational churches. So <laughs> right. it's, 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 it's kind of weird as it is, but the, the important thing to me is in the tens and twenties, um, hundred years ago, when this organization was being built or this association of denominations, um, it was, those were exciting days and a lot of, uh, Orthodox, uh, warm, warmly believing, um, black church leaders wanted to join mm. and denominations that were historically black wanted to join and they were shut out mm. and they were told, yeah. no, do your own right. thing. This is for us. Um, and that's why evangelicalism as a phenomenon over the last hundred years has been 100% white, like in the leadership structure and the leadership culture, Christian colleges and schools, organizations, it's all been white. Um, and so I have to think about the history of that to even think about your question, Bonnie, because, um, it's in a sense, um, when we talk about what Christianity today did, or when we talk about evangelicals nationally or even internationally, and we use an expression like we, mm -hmm. like, should we, like, I don't know that that represents me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that I'm part of that grab for power. I don't know that I'm part of that mm. quest for prestige or to be heard by the world. That's, I don't expect it. That's so funny. Um, Cause I actually don't either, but it, like we we're talking about the nanosecond before I didn't sure. even take a minute to think about that. Cause I'm so you, I get caught up. Yeah. That, Should it's the way we that? think. Yeah. And it's like, it, it, it also, it feels, and I think the, all these things need to be examined. Mm -hmm. It feels like to make a statement about the president, like that feels significant. Right. 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 And, um, but I guess what, I, one of the things I want to know is, um, when we do that or we, yeah. when that's done, mm -hmm. what has, what has just happened? Right. What has just happened? Um, and especially what has just happened with regard to what Jesus will judge the church for, mm. um, was a naked person clothed, was a hungry person fed, was a thirsty person right. given a drink of water, was a foreigner welcomed. Um, and well, to like, put it in your language, what, what did it do? What yeah, was well, the energy what, what was affected? It? Yeah. What I happened? mean, a lot of people just got mad. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Interesting. So, I have to weigh that against the kind of political involvement that Jesus has called me to and, mm. and us to. Mm -hmm. But the second thing is, um, one of the reasons why I did think it was significant is that, um, with, when, um, with the rise of Donald Trump to political prominence, uh, and then, um, becoming the, the candidate in the Republican party and then, um, becoming eventually the president, um, committed black evangelicals and, um, a lot of other non-white people that are, uh, share our Christian faith were alarmed mm. and they heard 
what he was saying. Right. And they, they could hear the racist undertones and they could hear the exclusionary talk. And they all stood back baffled that 81% of white evangelicals um, thought that he is clearly the Christian president, you know, mm. the, you know, the, the most right. Christian choice. Yeah. And so to my mind, um, I thought it was noble, or I thought it was a good thing. I'm not going to say it was noble, but it was a good thing for, um, for Christianity today to take that stand. Um, because in one way, it was recognizing all along with some moral clarity, I think, what so many other Christians had been seeing. Right. Um, in another sense, I think a lot of black evangelicals and, um, other, and other people of color who are Christian people um, kind of sat back and said, uh, what took you so long? We've been here. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. I mean, David Duke, former Grand Wizard of the KKK, and many other uh, white nationalists, they heard what Trump was saying. They heard what the president was saying. They heard that he was uh, a leader and a figure of white Christian nationalism. Mm -hmm. That's terrifying and alarming to brown people, black people, indigenous people. Right. Yeah. And for Christian people who are readers of their Bibles, that ought to be alarming and terrifying. Right. But when what David most, Duke crawls out of the woodwork. <laughs> yeah. Some, it's incredible. Is, and I think even, even saying things like I'm saying them, I think still people will, many yes. white evangelicals will say, well, what's the problem? We don't understand it. Yeah. And I think that's where we have to go to work to help folks understand what does Christian identity look like and what does, and how do we separate that from national power politics of resentment and anger and exclusion and uh, claims of ownership um, and rights to uh, land acquisition and money acquisition. I mean, yeah. To separate well, all that out from the way of Jesus is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think, yeah, let's, let's tie it there. Cool. Man. Um, I would, I, yeah, hopefully, would you be willing to come this. back? A, yeah, let's do it. A time or two. Like, I, I know the Enneagram is hanging over us like a, yeah. a cloud. Like we want to get to Tim, I can also, like, listen like, to you talk all day. It's so good. I wrote down like almost everything that I could think of for the history of, um, I'm showing them a, a Sometimes I forget that the listeners can't see a piece of paper that I typed out that was from what from the top of my head what I can remember all the way through the history of the fundamentalist and evangelical movement and kind of and then the back and forth between the two of those and the way that played into Christianity today and then we were just starting to get to that and I think that there's so much oh, yeah. fodder for the conversation that we just had that kind of it goes the implications are just yeah but the us versus them and the the boundary focus totally. um, thinking awesome. and stuff so maybe we can have another conversation about that and then another in a conversation about enneagram and or maybe those go together as tools but that'd be awesome um Thanks, thank Paul. you so much ah oh, tim for thank coming you. In. Great to talk to you guys so let's good. reiterate uh february 7th it's a friday night if you're in, orange in the county? orange county area right. yeah um it's at let's see i have the flyer here and we'll post the flyer as well but you can hear uh gombas and um paul martin mm-hmm it's seven o'clock on Friday, February seventh, and it's in Costa Mesa. We'll post the address. It's at the fieldwork offices, um, and you can meet meet Mr. Tim Gombis and and have these conversations and ask some questions in there. And um, I think I'm going to be there. Cool. Um, so we'll. Uh, it'll be good. It'll be fun. Yeah. Be Anything fun. else before we throw a blessing out there? I think we're good. Bonnie, nothing. No, I'm good. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. I love. I actually kind of love like my uh, go-to is like, no, I want. I want to hear more. I want you to wrap this up. I want you to put a bow on it. 
Um, but I actually love that we had to stop <laughs> because it'll make me sit with things for a little bit and like notice how much I use we language before our next conversation. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. And cool. part two, I think will be That's an interesting. No, it's good. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, here's a blessing again. I think we said this in the last episode or two episodes ago when we were doing the blessing, but, um, if you're anywhere that's not driving a car right now, maybe put your hands out, close your eyes, and try to receive the blessing as mm. as it's heard. Um, but may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and in these days, may he give you peace. Amen. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you. Good to talk.